All right, we are back with another training update episode where I briefly cover how my training week went and any new observations I had along the way and cover a certain topic that is on my mind at the time. So first, I'll cover some stuff about my training and my past training week, and then we'll get into our weekly topic. So uh, this is week three of my new training cycle where... My reps are still nice and high, but I already increased the weight on some of my lifts by as much as 10%, which is a pretty substantial increase. The reps have definitely dropped on some of my lifts, like on my curls, they have gone down by 30 to 25 over three weeks. Same thing with leg extensions, where also somehow my rep performance was very sensitive to the weight increases and the reps quickly decreased. On lateral raises, it's pretty funny. I'm going up very gradually in weight because the reps can drop very quickly from, you know, 20 to 8. For example, if you're going according to the weight jumps of the weight stack. So I'm trying to only add 2 to 5% to the weight stack, which can be quite tricky if you don't have some way of microloading it, which in my case is done with an ankle weight. Though I'm pleased to say that I just made the move and ordered some of these magnetic weight plates, which is going to be a ridiculous expense, including the shipping. I needed to cringe when I placed the order, but uh, I think it's going to make my training much more productive, so I see it as a long-term investment. Other interesting things, app training, I'm simply doing straight sets of 15 to 20 at this point, and I may increase the weight a little faster at some point, and I may go down to sets of 10 or so, but definitely not lower than that as at that point it's fairly high risk, low reward type of situation you find yourself in where the chances of you injuring your spine goes up quite a bit, whereas the payoff from doing very heavy training for the for the abs is uh, small at best. I'll put up a selfie here that I shot in the gym the other day. Uh, I'd say this picture might be a personal record for me in terms of uh, progress picks. I don't think I looked this full at this body fat percentage before uh, with a full-on flex, of course. So make no mistake, that's not how I look like if I just walk around without flexing. But I guess that's true of everyone. Um, so I'm excited going forward from here. Another interesting thing which I might want to cover in more detail in another episode is that I'm doing some fasting now. So that's on the nutrition front, mainly because my lifestyle changed a fair bit lately so now I'm quite a bit more inactive in the first half of the day whereas earlier I would have spent uh, a lot of time on my feet walking to places and just a lot more being a lot more active in general and for the longest time I had some food within an hour or two of waking up whereas now I'm sitting on my ass quite a bit until like 1 or 2 p.m. So I think it just makes more sense to have more food during the time of the day when I'm more active, which is funny because I kept having a decent breakfast for, for a while, even when I got into this more inactive mode early in the day. And at some point I noticed that, fuck, I'm actually not even hungry in the morning and I'm sort of just force feeding myself. Whereas a bit later, as I'm getting more active, I would actually like some more food. So uh, for now, pushing my feeding window a bit later makes more sense, which might actually not be the most ideal thing from a circadian rhythm management standpoint. But with that said, I don't really know how big of a difference it makes now, whether I eat my last meal at 9 or 10 p.m. or 6 to 7 p.m. because it's dark anyway. I mean, from 5 p.m. onwards, it's completely dark, which is quite sad. 
Um, I still think that some countries around this time are just in the wrong time zone. I mean, it's not normal to have it completely dark at 5 p.m., whereas early in the morning at like 5 or 6 a.m., like who cares if it's still dark? Uh, but anyway, so there's that. To be honest, I don't have that much new stuff to tell you about, but luckily we have our weekly topic that I want to cover. And this week I had a couple of ideas as to what to talk about, but since this weekend I have a bit of a surprise for you, that inspired me to record a podcast episode on macro tracking and ad libitum eating, which I have not done in some time now. And this time, instead of talking about concrete uh, strategies or dispelling some of the misunderstandings that are out there about eating without tracking macros, which is always a relevant and valuable thing to do, I thought I'd instead use this episode to reflect on this past year and a half in which I hadn't tracked my macros and tell you about the things that have changed in my life in this period compared to how things were before. And I think there's always a value in reflecting on the things you're doing in the moment, but also in retrospect, when you have a different point of reference and different experiences to which you can compare your early experiences to. So in my case, I had years of tracking my calories and pretty much never putting any food down without accounting for it in my head at least, and then modifying my subsequent meals in a quantified fashion accordingly. And during that time, that was my norm. And that's just how I was. And now, having not done that for over 18 months, I have a much clearer picture as to how my life was actually impacted by this earlier. So with that, let's get into the list of the main things that have changed in my life ever since I had not tracked my macros. So thing number one for me is that I'm able to get out of my own head. And what I mean by that is eating healthfully and eating in a way that supports you towards achieving your fitness goals is easiest to accomplish if you largely automate the process. So having a list of foods and meals just loosely held in your head and just rotating through them for the most part is the easiest way to be on point and adherent and on track with your progress. People talk a lot about decision fatigue and the cost of making a lot of decisions daily and for a good reason because making a lot of trivial decisions on things like food and clothing and commuting is just using your brain power in a non-productive way. And so in theory, there's nothing inherently that should stop you from automating things on a macro tracking based nutritional plan. I mean, you could just make a meal plan out of your macros, maybe even batch cook a couple of dishes out of your macros for the week and just eat that for the rest of the week. No questions asked. In practice, however, I found that knowing that in each meal, I get to eat X amount because otherwise I'll go over my macros and each bite brings me closer to the end of my caloric cap in that meal. Just force my brain into this, for lack of a better term, scarcity mindset. Where if, for example, if at the end of the meal I didn't feel quite satiated and satisfied, I almost got scared in a way because I knew that until the end of the day I had only X meals and X amount of calories left to combat hunger, which is now, of course, completely different because since feeling satisfied and satiated is my main benchmark, I never have to face this fear given that I make good food choices, which obviously have much wider implications, which 
brings me to my next point, which is one of the biggest changes for me is that I don't make a big deal out of over or under eating. So, you know, some days you're hungrier than on other days, and that's fine. And concomitantly, on some days you'll eat more than on other days, and that's also fine. And in theory, you could account for this in your nutrition plan while tracking macros. But in practice, I just found that to be damn hard to do. So to stay at our previous example, if I was tracking my macros and I set myself a caloric cap of 500 for my first meal, let's say. If I was still hungry after that 500 calorie meal, then I was facing a serious dilemma, which went something like, I could go over my macros here, but then it will take away macros from later meals. So maybe I should just stop here because maybe those calories will be more valuable later in the day because I could risk going to bed hungry otherwise. On the other hand, maybe I will be just too food focused if I leave myself hungry now. So what do I do? And on some days I would go with the first option, whereas on other days I would go with the second option. And obviously on some days I would have more of these dilemmas, whereas on other days I would have less of them. And individually, these little internal battles are obviously meaningless. But over time, the cumulative effect of them just worn me down. And then this low-grade neurosis also applied on a daily basis. And in general, I was very reluctant to eat more or less than I had initially planned. If I ate more, then in general, I couldn't help seeing it as a minor failure and a failure of my discipline and willpower, even though I tried to work against this feeling pretty hard. And I would typically feel a strong urge to then drop my calories the next day to compensate, which it kind of sucks starting your day with having this scarcity mindset from the get-go. And then when it came to eating less than planned originally, I was also reluctant to do that because it almost felt like a wasted opportunity to treat myself, especially on a cut. So how this looked like in practice is when it came to my final meal of the day and say I was still hungry at the end of my meal, my dilemma went something like, is my extra hunger justifying me to eat more now? Because, you know, maybe I'm hungry because of some changes in my energy expenditure, for example. Or am I just looking for an excuse to indulge? You know, again, in isolation, these are minor inconveniences psychologically. But the cumulative effect of them over time took a huge toll on me. And really what it came down to is that with macro tracking, I just gave myself a lot more opportunities to feel like a failure because of my discipline and willpower giving out, basically. And now these decisions are almost completely gone, certainly on a per meal basis and for the most part also on a per day basis. I eat each meal to the point where I'm completely satisfied and then I move on. And in my final meal, if I feel like I may have overindulged a little, that also doesn't bother me because I trust my body's feedback cycles and that it will auto-correct for any potential overconsumption of calories in the subsequent days because of the increased satiety that I got. And similarly, I'm not afraid of under-eating in any given meal or any given day. So if in any given meal I may have eaten a bit too little, then guess what? I'll be hungrier in my next meal and I'll eat a bit more. And this will happen naturally. And at the end of the day, if I feel satisfied and comfortable after my last meal, 
that is as good a sign as any for me that I ate enough to fuel my muscle gains. And I don't feel the need to eat even more just to make sure. And again, it's not the individual decisions that are significant here, but the cumulative effect of all of these mini decisions and all of these moments of self-judgment. Getting rid of the aggregate of these things is what's making the difference ultimately. So this brings me to point number three, which is I'm able to basically live more. So we all know that macro tracking can be perfectly workable with an active social life and having some meals out here and there is completely fine. But still, you know, knowing the high calorie nature of restaurant foods and how quickly things can rack up, these occasions and the workarounds I was trying to develop for them just became a really annoying hassle that ultimately was just not worth it for me. So for example, I would often estimate conservatively the average restaurant meal to be around 1,200 to 1,500 calories. And so I would meticulously reduce my calories earlier on in the day to make room for that, which so far it's fine and dandy, right? Well, yeah, except that it would just make me fret over that evening meal all day, which would inevitably take out all the enjoyment from my meals leading up to that event. And even if I managed to tweak everything sufficiently to make that evening meal not ruin my overall plan, still at the restaurant, I would have to be quite alert to see what I could order, whether I'll have to give some special instructions to the waiter, if I'll get strange looks for this. And by the end of the day, I would typically look back at the entire experience thinking that this was just too big of a hassle to make it worth it, which just made me much more likely to say no to such an opportunity the next time. And that's in an ideal scenario when I would have known in a day advance at least that I'd be going out. But if someone just asked me randomly at, say, 5 p.m. if I wanted to go out for a meal, that would have been out of the question. Like, I obviously wouldn't say this, but in my mind I was like, I've used up too many of my macros for today, dudes. No way. And... This touches on a deeper issue, which you'll be hearing more about this weekend, which is I became much more isolated or at least isolation seeking. And it made me really resentful towards the people around me. Like I remember concrete times when a classmate from college would ask me if I wanted to go out to grab a beer. And in my mind, I was like, no, like, why are all these people trying to ruin my progress and prevent me from achieving my goals? Like, why do you all want me to put shit into my mouth all the time? Just leave me the hell alone. I remember actually one time literally breaking down and saying to someone that I can't wait to get old and have no social life because then finally I can live my life without constantly being pressured into going out and all these things. And that was my default mode of being at the time. And hopefully, I sincerely hope that for a lot of you guys, this sounds ridiculous. And if it does, I'm honestly really happy for you. But I know that some of you have been there or are there now. And if you pause for a second, you have to stop and think, is this normal? Like, is this a good way to be? Like a person reaching out to seek your company and spend some pleasant time together is going to turn into a source of stress and anger because you want to stay within some caloric budget. So now I'm in a very different place in this regard where these social events are no longer a source of stress. And when someone invites me to a restaurant or a 
Kafana, which are pretty cool here in the Balkan area? My default response is yes, and I'm looking forward to these things. I have positive associations with um, social meals in my head, and I know that if I overshoot my calories, that's fine, because over time, my hunger will autocorrect, and things will not erode magically. And interestingly, because I no longer feel this inner compulsion to do certain things with my nutrition, and I don't feel constrained by a set of rules and numbers, and because I don't feel like I'm an outcast in these events who, unlike all the others who are there to enjoy themselves, is just there to survive with the least damage, I feel a much greater sense of autonomy, and I feel like I'm in control of things, which actually gives me a lot more confidence and inner peace when every once in a while I do decide to be a bit more strict or just do certain things that others don't. So for example, when they're ordering dessert and I don't because I found over time that having desserts just ramps up my cravings and kind of ruins the satisfaction I got from my main dish, I don't feel like a weirdo and I'm fully owning my decision and I don't feel stressed about it and I had one instance last year, for instance, where they were kind of playfully pressuring me into eating some dessert, and I resisted all the way through, and I almost enjoyed the situation and was also kind of making fun of the whole thing and said things like, nah, sorry guys, I can't, I'm too strict for this, I can't let these abs disappear on me and stuff. And I intentionally observed how I was feeling while doing this, and it was actually really cool to see that I had zero stress or unease throughout the whole time because I was in control of my decision and I didn't feel like a captive of a trap that I laid for myself with my rigid methods. So in summary, I'm able to live my life like a normal person and there are people around me in my day-to-day -day life who if I didn't explicitly tell them they probably wouldn't even know that I'm into this whole fitness stuff and I'm watching what I eat because I act for the most part like any other person. And ironically, which I talked about many times, my progress both in terms of rates of progress and perhaps more importantly, my consistency of progress is better than it ever has been, which once again taught me that many times the easy answer is the right answer and that this fitness game just doesn't need to be as hard and complicated as we make it out to be. And if you can arrange things in a way for yourself that delivers the most ease of mind while progressing, that will ultimately pan out to be not just the most sustainable, but also the most optimal way of doing things. So that's all I had to say for today. Hope you enjoyed this and found this informative. And with that, see you next time. Alright guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode and liked what you heard. And if you did, then I think you'd definitely love our SSD training and nutritional course that we recently put out with Birgia Fuggerly. This program not only contains a 12-week phasic training program that you can use to time efficiently and safely build the best body you can, but also gives you four plus hours of video lectures about managing your nutrition and lifestyle to not only look good, but feel and perform optimally. And besides this, you will also be getting some really awesome bonuses like Birge Fagerli's Myo Reps and Zero Carb ebook. So if this sounds interesting to you, then go ahead and check out sustainableselfdevelopment.com. And of course, to not miss out on future episodes like this, 
Subscribe to the podcast and you'll be up to date on everything we'll be putting out. So thank you for hanging around up until now and see you next time.